0: Upon you, Jesus. Through the cross we are free. Colossians is fantastic and I'm happy to do it for our church family with you because it's, it's a, it's an interesting and fun letter. It's the last of the, what's called the prison epistles. We think that Paul, you know, this was written about 35 years after Jesus died on the cross for our sin. So about 30 to 35 years then, after Paul met Jesus, had a personal interaction with Christ on the Damascus Road and became the apostle this, the apostle to the Gentiles. That's you and me. And he went around and started churches. And, and, and now we think this letter was written as Paul, almost towards the end of his life, in prison in Rome, writing back to churches about the gospel what the gospel does in your life it's really good stuff and the reason why it's so um, appropriate particularly for us is i think is because paul's writing to a church he doesn't really know he just has heard about their faith in jesus so almost through time to you and me that he sits and he writes to folks who he, he doesn't know that well but he knows something very important about them is that they've put their trust in the good news of jesus and so it'll be fun for us to walk through, we who are in the same situation, in terms of, you know, we're not, we're not in Colossae, we're not there, but, but we get to hear Paul's heart for what the gospel begins to do in you and I as, as we live it out. And, and so I, I invite you as we go through, it's gospel-saturated, really interesting things. And, and, and what, what happens in our context sometimes is, is we read it in such a way that I don't think Paul really read it. So one of the things that I uh, is on my burden for our family and our church family is to make sure you see, walk you through, help help you be filled with the knowledge of the good news of Jesus. So we're going to do that in this book of Colossians, and and we're going to start right today, and we'll take fairly large chunks so we get to understand the flow and the actual thinking that Paul has as he writes this, so that the Holy Spirit might use that in our hearts, and that's my prayer for for us this morning. So so let's dive in here we go this is colossians chapter one and it starts off with paul's introductory greeting says paul an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god and timothy our brother to the saints and faithful brothers in christ at colossae grace to you and peace from god our father okay so this is paul writing and he doesn't know them very well he doesn't go into this lengthy huge introduction he wants them to know one Really important thing, that he is the apostle, right, by the will of the Father. And he says, hey, he's the apostle of of Jesus, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, by God's will. So he's just, that's his authority, that's why he's writing. He's got a brother, Timothy, there, and then to the saints and faithful, so he's writing to Christians. And he calls them holy, he calls them brothers and sisters. Grace to you in peace. That's his standard greeting. Okay, so he's not going to see this church again. He's not going to see these people again. He's writing from prison in Rome. And he wants people to see, I think, two things as we start this morning as we're going to look at his prayer. He wants to see that their family wants to see what the gospel starts to do in them. And that's what I want us to see, too. Gospel is the good news. It's not just for conversion, but it's for ongoing Christian living. And so that's what we're going to look at. First, I want to see family. Family. Because he he says this right away. He goes in and starts to pray. He says, oh, we always thank God, verse 3, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So he's going to start with... A prayer, and the prayer starts with thanksgiving. So the whole thing we get to look at in verses 1 to 14 today, it's all a prayer. It says, when I, when I pray, I give thanks for you. Because of what I've heard, he says. And he even says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven yeah, this can be really dry if you're not careful because you say, okay, okay, let's keep going. No, step, step back and think about it with me. He's heard good things about them. Wh- what are the good things he's heard? He's heard of, of their trusting in Jesus. That's what he's heard. I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, he says, and, and then I've heard of your love for the saints because of something. What? Because of the hope you have laid up for you in heaven. So somehow this hope laid up for them in heaven has done something to them so that they love other people. And and, and Paul has heard about it and says, you know what? I'm really thankful for for you that this faith and hope producing love, this, this means to Paul that they're a family. He's essentially saying, I'm so grateful. I've heard you're in the family. He's giving thanks for them, not random people because he's heard of their trusting Jesus, their love for other people who trust Jesus. He's giving thanks. He's not exhorting. He's not commanding. He's excited they have hope laid up for them in heaven. It's good for me to hear because he focuses in on what's really important. Their trust in in Christ. Their belonging to the family and he's calling them holy ones and brothers and sisters because he's heard these things about them and I say that's really good because I know, I don't know, you guys have family? I mean, I love my family. Sometimes, sometimes I don't love my family. I get frustrated or I don't talk to them for a season or they don't talk to me for a season or I think they're not being kind or... think they're not doing the right things or i think that they have haven't influenced wrongly someone else and i get mad about there's that labyrinth of of emotions and interactions but but there's this basic underlying thing for the christian that you and i we get to be actually family and it doesn't mean that frustrated wrongness it means this central connection that we actually have because of the trust in christ and The hope of heaven that produces this love. What's the love? We actually consider each other family. I confess we don't do it very well. I mean, it's not actually about let's show how good of a family member I am. That's not what Paul's saying paul's saying the reality that we have this connection it, it, and paul even not even in the body he's he's hundreds of miles away in rome and he's saying we've got this amazing connection and i'm so grateful for it it's profound and, and and it's marvelous and and oh i thank god for it why is he thanking god for it instead of thanking them they've made this decision to have faith and love other people well and why does he say that because of how it's happening, right? Because of the hope laid up for heaven, he says this, right? He says, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Look, the Word of truth is the good news, isn't it? We look last week at the difference between law and gospel. We're tempted to just pull in when when he says the gospel I'm, I'm I'm tempted to insert all of the Bible. I'm tempted to insert the Ten Commandments. Look, the Ten Commandments is bearing fruit. No, the Ten Commandments is not bearing fruit among you. What's bearing fruit among you? The gospel what's the gospel? <laughs> we know it first corinthians fifteen but it's it's the message of Christ. Savior, right? The message of Jesus, who is the Messiah. The message of the one who came and lived and died and rose again. Our hope. This is what does amazing work. The gospel actually changes people. Paul is writing to people who are Christians. He's saying, among you, the gospel, the good news is bearing fruit. The gospel actually bears the fruit. Not you. The gospel actually increases as he starts out here. We love, I love the focus that the gospel is increasing, not 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 us. The gospel is bearing fruit. The gospel is where the life is. This message of truth, and we get family members, new family members, because the gospel's at work. What's the gospel again? The message of Jesus. The announcement of one way love in Christ. Not the requirements, not the deduce, the, the duns. And this message, this particular truth amidst all truths, is the one that has life in it, and you have to hear it. That's what he's saying. You've heard this amazing truth. If if you receive it, I I I'm welcoming you in the family. And he says it of that just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. He has made known to us your love in the spirit. Interesting, faith and love is kind of what we can see. We can see people put their trust in Christ, at least with their mouth, as best we can. And then we can see love that people might have. And this is a particular kind of love, Paul says. I, I, I see your love in the spirit. Not trying hard to love, not gritting your teeth to do something good. It, this is This is spirit-based love. Love produced by the good news. The good news of love starts to marinate your heart and the wonder of God's love for you and it produces love for other people. We're going to see that throughout Colossians. Kind of a subtle shift, you know, can come in. We've got to be careful. When we begin to read the Bible, we start looking for commands. We come with the desire to make everything a command. There is no command in this whole prayer. This is all descriptive of what a Christian is. Because I read this, I right? say, so, okay, 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 there's faith and love. i got to make sure i got to start loving people. How do I love people? Let me give you 10 tips to love people more. That, that's not what he's doing, right? He's saying, I've heard of your love in the Spirit. I've heard of it. This isn't law or you at work. This is gospel. This message, it changes you. No commands here, just observations, declarations. Look, the gospel's at work, and I rejoice, and... I rejoice because I have a new family, and I feel like Paul's heart is along the lines of, you know, I'm a dad, and that day that I got to go to the hospital, and I got to get hope, and I, I, we didn't anticipate nine months because I adopted. Danny and I got to adopt my little girl. But that day I will remember all my life when I held her in my hands, and what did she become? My family. I just imagine Paul, and he's writing. He's writing to people who have become family, and that's what he's doing. He's saying, you you, you don't understand. When I look at you, and when I look at you, and when I look at you, and we're together, and I think, you know what? We're family. And maybe you don't have a good birth family. Maybe you don't have a a fantastic story, but you've got something really more amazing. You've got family who are connected by faith in Christ. And the love that the Spirit produces. Again, not well. I, he's not talking about the great quality of your love and made it improve. He's saying, look, as you begin to see the good news and as you actually believe it, you've been put into something bigger than you. And it's marvelous look around you should rejoice you have family you never would have had before because of the gospel and so this is what the gospel paul writes is doing it's bearing fruit it's increasing by simple transmission and i think of it very much like an infection but a good one a good one because i know i know it's flu season right and i had the flu for weeks and it was terrible and and then someone gave that to me i'm looking at you No, but this is so amazing. And actually, by transmission, by speaking this message, it infects you and infects you and gives life. It's incredible. Because once you no longer trust your own works, your own goodness, your own increase, but you fall into the goodness of Jesus, welcome to the family. That change in thinking, not, not my works, but my trust in Christ leads to a change in how you see yourself and other people that will change how you act. It will. It, it, again, not to be beat the dead horse, but it is not God's rules that change you. It is not a memorization of, of the Ten Commandments. It's not a memorization of all the imperatives in Scripture that changes you. It is the good news that changes you and other people too. That's what he's saying. It changes your actual life. And and again, I want to show you even from this passage, because look what he does. He goes into change. That's what he does for us. Verse nine, he starts to say it. And and so, he says, he's given thanks to God for for um their Faith and their love and the hope that they have in heaven, and, and and he says this is the gospel and it's increasing and bearing fruit in all the world. It's so fantastic we get new family, and then he says, and so I'm going to actually ask God something for you. From the day we heard, he hasn't met them, but he's heard of them, like he might hear of us. We have not ceased to pray for you. I like that, asking that you may be. What? Filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Oh, I like that. We're going to walk slowly through this, so I want to see what Paul prays for him. So the prayer is, right, that they would be filled with the knowledge of His will, that they would understand Again, you're going to be faced with a choice right here because what does it mean of the knowledge of his will? Say, so, Well, what that means is that you go back and you memorize the Bible verses and you memorize the commands of God because that's his will that you do these commands. And I think if you do that, you're kind of going outside the passage. He's talking about the gospel. My question is, do you do you get the depth of the knowledge of God's will for you? And he's going to tell you right here in this passage by the end the will of God. Don't look ahead. I saw you try do do it. He's going to tell you what's God's will for you. What what's a knowledge of His will for you, and how that might impact you. But so my 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 hey, bear with me till the end. But don't immediately go when you hear the knowledge of His will into the idea of moral behavior. Don't do it. Keep a step back. Think. Okay, I, what I need to know is the knowledge of God's will for me, because that's going to allow me to walk in a worthy manner. What's a worthy manner? A manner that reflects the truth of the gospel. You know, the one that we just read about that's increasing and bearing fruit in all the world. That gospel has changed me and it makes me see stuff differently. And as I understand it more deeply, I walk in a different way. It's actually a manner worthy of what? Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is that? Paul's praying they'll understand the gospel, I think. They'll see deliverance and the redemption they have in Christ. Follow along with me. So, so first, understand, the gospel is what will allow you to walk in a worthy manner. We know no other way is worthy. No rule following, no law, no action is worthy of the Lord apart from the good news of Jesus. The only worthiness I'll ever have is to be in Christ to receive him, to trust him, to believe him. And if I do, this is what it means to please him. Not, not not actions of pleasing, but but a response, the understanding. This is what will happen if you trust God and he goes in and he says, okay, this is what I want you to, to, to get away. And it's not one of those prayers. You've heard these prayers, I know. Have you heard these prayers that people get up and they pray sometimes? And sometimes I miss mess up and I do it too. I so want someone to have an understanding that I do this sort of pseudo prayer thing. Lord, Please help my wife to do the dishes a little, little nicer. And Father, I just I love her, and I just pray you would allow her to be more diligent in cleaning. What am I doing? I'm talking to my wife, putting a guilt trip on her about cleaning, and wrapping it in, oh Lord. Like that's something, I'm not, unfortunately, sometimes we do that we, we do, with the issue we have. This is not that. Paul's actually saying, this is, this is what I ask God for you. I'm just so excited that God might do these things. And So the whole focus of this is what he's asking God, that he might supernaturally give him an understanding, a better knowledge of his will. Because, because if you get this, so this knowledge of the will thing a big deal. Because if you get it, a worthy manner of walking comes, and, and, and then these other things come. What are the things? The things he's going to list right now. Look with me. Bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay, this bearing fruit, literally it says, in all works. Bearing fruit in everything. So somehow, increasing the knowledge of the will of God will lead to you and I bearing fruit in everything we do. Okay, this means everything you encounter, whether it's a quiet daily life that you're living at home with kids or whether you're out on the street waving a sign, whether you're in the business world or whether you're in the church, whether whatever you're doing and everything you do, you can bear fruit. How? If you get the knowledge of the will of God for you. Oh, that's good. So we're not taking this, oh, we're taking this as a charge to go bear fruit everywhere. No, it's a description of what's going to happen if you really understand the will of God for you. Everywhere you go. Good fruit comes. Everywhere you go, as everything, every circumstance you see, the next piece increasing in the knowledge of God. So <laughs> understanding more about who God is. I always think, I know I've used this before, you know me. I my church family, you know my dad, and I think of my dad who for for 15, 20 years built church roofs in Africa and he, he impacted a whole nation for Jesus. And now the past years of his life, he sits in a chair at home because he has Parkinson's disease. He does nothing observably building church roofs and impacting a nation for Christ. If he gets the knowledge of God's will, then in every day, not just when he's in Africa building churches, but when he's at home sitting in a chair, he continues to do what? Bear, bear fruit. He continues to do what? Increase in the knowledge of God. Why? Because as he sits in his chair and is needy and dependent and then we care for him, then then he gets to be a part of something that's that's amazing because Jesus cares for him every day and he gets to understand more the knowledge of God. It's just not how I want to make it. I want to make it me stronger all the time. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ and it's all him. And, and so this is what Paul is even praying for them. That, that what I pray is if you might, as you get to know the knowledge of God's will, these things start to come, you see. As you start to understand the gospel, the depth of it, the good news of Jesus, if you get it, if you dwell in it, if you grow in this understanding, it bears fruit everywhere. Still understand, even as he prays for this, it's not a command. It's not saying, what I'm charging you to do is to go and bear good fruit everywhere. No. So my prayer for you is that God might give you the knowledge of his will. And so my my question for you still that's hanging out there, what's the knowledge of his will? Because there's more things we need to hit first. Here's one, being strengthened with all power. According to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. <laughs> it's amazing being strengthened with all power. Again, this is taken so wrongly. Here's what he's doing, right? Oh, you might know this. But these things might happen. And here's one of them. Strengthened, strengthened with all power. According to his glorious might. And I immediately go to can't be buffed up. So I might go out there and do something for Jesus. But but he actually says what the strengthening is for. Did you see that? You need the might of God, the, the glorious might, in order to be strengthened. Strengthened how? For all what? Endurance and patience. That's a little different thing. It's not me getting stronger. That's me... Holding on. He's saying, I just pray. You're going to need the will of God for this. You're going to need to know some depth here because he's going to strengthen you through that knowledge to hang on. Hang on to what? The truth of the gospel. You know what? Life's going to be really daily. And then, and then your body's not going to be healthy all the time. And then the people around you are not going to treat you rightly. And then you're going to go and jump off some cliff morally and then everything around you is going to slowly get worse what do you absolutely need to be strengthened in continuing to trust that you're in the family continuing to trust that God has you continuing to trust with with the evidence around you arrayed in your circumstances that there is a heaven in front of you that Christ adores you that he's for that he died for you hardest thing to do and he says hey what i really want for you is to be strengthened with all power uh, with you need this strength not to do not to accomplish righteous living like somehow god's enabling you to become more holy that's not what he's saying don't go backwards he's saying understanding god's action is in the gospel understanding his will and freeing you and redeeming you and putting you in his kingdom if you're blown away more and more by this you're being strengthened Strengthened for all endurance and patience. Strengthened to wait because our hope is in the return of Christ. So, so you and I, you know, we need patience when life is boring. Life is hurtful. When we fail. So, this patience and endurance isn't to keep a list. It's to continue to live to the light of the great promises of Jesus. And then he says this giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. To understand the gospel, to grow in the knowledge of God somehow, this is the result that you're going to give thanks to God who has qualified you that sounds like oh well god has made it so you could go if you're really careful that's not what that qualified word means in fact you should maybe better if you were in the greek and looking at it you should maybe better it's a privileged word god has privileged you (laughs) you realize what's happened right you're giving thanks to god as you start to understand the knowledge of his will because he has dumped an inheritance on you he's dumped it on you He's dumped, I mean, I don't know, heaven's paved with gold or whatever, you know, so you could say he's dumped a whole mound of gold on you. Ouch. He he has a place reserved for you and I in his kingdom. He's taken us, and then he's redeemed us, and he's saved us, and he's given us an inheritance, and here's our God, and he's done these things for you. It's so fantastic, you need to know it. Ah, He has privileged you, and maybe you don't feel very privileged, but God has. If you have your faith in Christ. This is declarative. It's not imperative. It's describing to understand that the will of God is that you're going to receive an undeserved inheritance and just sit there in it. If if you can get this, if you start to understand the depth of what God has done in Christ and what that means for your whole life forever. It does change you. This happened to me just a few weeks ago. Somebody came to my office and says, Dax, I'm doing this for you. You know me and how I hate gifts. Someone came and gave us a gift, okay? And I was just... I was blown away. And think that it doesn't even begin to touch the gift that you and I You, you individually, you think of yourself, you have been privileged by God, by the father of the universe to be in his family. What an amazing gift you've been given. And if you get that, if you start to see it, you say, no, no matter what, God's love has been set on me and I see it and I I get so, wow, that, that births gratitude. That's what he's talking about. Look, I'm 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 praying that you'll understand this. This is God's will for you that he does this, not that you do these things, but that he has done this thing. And if you understand and you're going to respond this way because that's that's just how the track runs. And then he finishes his prayer like with this, with what the will of God is for you. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is one to memorize. Look what God has done. What's the will of God for you? What's the knowledge of God's will for you? What, is he, what has he done? What's his will for you, Junior? I'm not trying to call you Junior. I'm saying, wow, what is Paul? And he says, look, this is it. God moves you from this place Of darkness and despair and no hope and sin and terribleness. And he transfers you over. He he, he moves you to the kingdom of his son. To the place of Jesus. In Christ you are. This is an amazing move. Not done by you. It's God's will that he does it. And 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 it was beloved son. And and in Jesus we have these, these amazing words, right? Redemption. The forgiveness of sin. It's a move that God's doing. If I was going to take it into temporal, i he's moving you from the dark, 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 hard, cold, sub-zero, freezing, can't-go-outside place of Antarctica, and he's moving you to Hawaii. I want to go. Beaches and palm trees and water and, and niceness. Even rain. I think it rains in Hawaii. It does, right? More than Antarctica, maybe. I like it. So God says His will for you is deliverance from this domain of darkness. This domain of darkness is the rule and authority of the principalities who are against God, who freed you. God did. He moved you and I just by faith in Christ. Nothing we did. This is His will to the authority and, and kingdom of His beloved Son. And so we are in Christ. What do we have? What do we need to grow in our knowledge of? Number one, redemption. You're redeemed. Number two, the forgiveness of sin. I'm terrible at this. I'm terrible at even thinking I'm forgiven. Aren't you? Are you good at, at thinking? Man, I'm just forgiven. No way. I, I, every time I I sin, I I put myself through a a, a, a whipping. I gotta be better. I should be better. I'm. I need, I, I'm better. Better, Dax. Here I go, and and, and I, I'll slip into penance. I'll, I'll go. Well, okay. I'm gonna go four days with not with, with praying more, so that God will change me. Because if I pray more, then God will do this. And I and I bargains with God. We slip. Why? Because we don't understand forgiveness of sin. We don't It's it, it's so incredible. This is not the improvement of not sinning. This is not the working towards our salvation. This is redemption, His work alone, Jesus and His work. This is gospel. This is the forgiveness of sins that, that we have done. This is the forgiveness of sins that we do. This is our place places receiving it. And the more you get this, that this is you, that this is God's will for you, that this knowledge is true, the more you'll respond in these ways that are reflective of a deepening understanding of the depth of what's been done for you in Christ. This is life, family. It will lead inexorably to different ways of thinking than you've ever had before. And different thinking will lead to different actions because that's what different thinking does. Especially you and I need to tell each other of this great truth we need reminding the will of God for you and I is that he redeems and he forgives. He is the agent, he is the giver, we are the receivers, that's all we are. We overwhelm each other again and again. Not with this example to be a better you, though I desire to be out of sin, but with the better Jesus. So, let's take back with me then, because there were two paths that people take this text in, and I'm urging you to take path two. To see that the knowledge of the will of God for you is a deepening understanding of the depth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I I base that on some other passages too, but let me just give you one of them. We read it this morning. Let me ask you only this, Paul writes in another prison letter, Galatians. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? are you so foolish having begun by the spirit are you now being perfected by the flesh and so as as paul writes this he's talking to christians he's talking to people who have put their faith in jesus and even explicitly stated in this passage as you started by by receiving christ like conversion was all about trust but now you're somehow getting away from that and thinking that it's not And, and just come back he's saying to them come back Would you say with me, oh, that you might grow in the depth of understanding that life is in the Spirit? We received the Spirit by hearing with faith. We heard the good news, you and I, and we believed it. And so, like the Colossians, to grow is to understand the gospel because the Spirit will continue to open our eyes to Jesus. That's what the Spirit is, right? He's the teacher. He's the comforter. And the tension of our lives will continue to be, it'll continue to be, I get it. Are you enabled to self-improve? Because both in our American culture and our evangelical world, these threads push at you constantly. But, but against that is this tension Will you trust in Christ alone. But as you trust in Christ alone, that's going to change your heart. That's what being in the spirit is about what you're doing, if you're forgiven much and you know it, you naturally have the heart to forgive. Are you crazy if I've been forgiven a billion-dollar debt and somebody wants a dollar from me that that, that I'm not going to go and beat them to get it? I've been saved by the king. If you're redeemed and you see the amazing wonder of you are being transferred by God from a place of darkness and despair into a place of love and light and you believe it, your wrinkled heart will expand. Have you ever seen, I'll tell you one thing, with kids' toys, I get a lot of fun examples. Here's one. Have you ever seen those little tiny capsules with the sponges inside? They're tiny packed things that look like something you should swallow, but you don't dare swallow it. Because what you're supposed to do is put it in water. And wait like six hours or so. And, and what it does is as it just soaks in that water over time, it starts to expand. And all of a sudden it's not a sponge anymore, it's an animal. And it becomes a big giraffe or something like that, you know. That's our wrinkled hearts. We're like we're real packed in capsules of insecurity and fear. And, and if we will soak in the gospel, the water of the gospel, the living water of Jesus... We start to actually expand. These things actually happen. It's not the law like, oh, you've got to do these things and then God will bless you. No, no, it's you've been blessed so much by Christ that as you soak in the depth over here, your heart expands, you start bearing fruit in everything. Because of the Spirit. This is why we read our Bibles. I encourage you to read your Bible so you might see the gospel, so you might soak in the water. I encourage you to get into small groups. We get into small groups. Why? Not to argue over the, over the, the minutia. It's to, it's to see the gospel and encourage each other and forgiveness of sins and redemption so that our hearts expand. And then what do we do? We, we actually love. This is what daily living is. To testify by His Spirit the truth of what God in Christ has done for you and me. What He is for you right now. So this is the journey we're on of learning how the gospel begins to change us, not by putting us back under oughts and shoulds, but by declaring to you and I the truth of the gospel. It's a pathway, I believe, you and I to a fulfilled and wonderful life, if you'll get it. If you'll say, This is this is the way, if you would receive his son. I believe this is the prayer of Paul for Christians he's never seen, that they might, oh receive the gospel and he rejoices in them being family but then that they might continue to grow in the knowledge of the will of god which is this amazing union with jesus christ his son welcome to the family let's pray father thank you for colossians in this beginning lord i pray we might understand more and more the depth of what you've done in christ father i pray your holy spirit might be alive in us might soak our hearts with the gospel that we might be a people who loves much not as law but as response father help us to grow we love you jesus we thank you for what you've done for us it's in your name we pray amen